And it is Jesus who makes the day glorious. And thank you for joining us on this morning's broadcast. Today we begin our Christmas sermon series as Pastor Elliot preaches from Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. God's best gift, the Lord Jesus Christ, proves God's wonderful love for sinners like all of us. And now with his message for today, Pastor Robert Elliot. God broke into human history. He split history into B.C. and A.D. He personally revealed himself to us. A father and his young son were walking in the country along a dirt path when they inadvertently stepped on an anthill. Noticing that they had disturbed the anthill severely, the little boy said, Dad, I wish we could let him know we're sorry. I wish we could tell him that we want to help them with their wounded and their dead. I would like them to know that we care about them. The dad thought and says, son, the only way we could do any of that would be if we could become an ant. And we could go down to that anthill and live with those ants and learn how to talk like an ant and tell them what we think of them and how we want to help them. When God broke into history, God incarnate, eternal, invisible, immortal, God only wise, becoming human flesh, the first Christmas, we were given an insight into God's counsel, his decree, his character, his will, by the precious gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Christmas season reminds us that our God is a revealing God, that our God loves to communicate with us. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, will you open them to Hebrews? near the end of the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 are going to be the focus of this sermon this morning, the first in a Christmas series of messages. The message title is God's Best Gift. Here the Word of God is recorded in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers, in the prophets, in many portions and many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. In the Old Testament times, God chose to communicate with his people, the Jews, through selected human prophets. Verse 1 says that God did this at many times and in various ways. And God sure did that. He spoke to his people, the Jews, and by extension to us as we read the Old Testament, through stone tablets to a prophet Moses, through a whisper to a prophet Elijah, through visions to a prophet Ezekiel, through dreams to the prophet Daniel, through a human form to prophet Abram, through an angel to prophet Jacob, through oracles and through other means to the prophet Amos, through questions and answers to and through the prophet Malachi, through sermons through the prophet Haggai, through mysterious signs through the prophet Zechariah, through bizarre acts through the prophet Ezekiel. You get the point. Our God has communicated his will in times past at many instances and in various ways using select human prophets. 
but in these last days. And I hope you realize that you are living in the last days. I don't know when Christ is coming for the church, but I know that I live in the last days. In these last days, that is in the days since the first Christmas until the present time, God has spoken to us by his Son. Again, verse 1, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son. In Bethlehem and in a manger, it was as if all the tablets and all the whispers and all the visions and all the dreams and all the angels and all the oracles and all the questions and all the answers and all the sermons and all the mysterious signs and all the bizarre acts backed off and they bowed down and they worshiped the most perfect communication of all, a wiggly, warm baby. Jesus, God's very Son, fused with humanity, the miracle of Christmas. All of the many and useful human prophets were pointing to the one and only perfect prophet, priest, and king, God's incarnate Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, to be sure, all of the many Jewish Old Testament prophets were pointing to Jesus, the Messiah. They said he would be the seed of Abraham, Genesis 22. They said he would be of the tribe of Judah, Genesis 49. Of the house of David, Isaiah 9. Virgin born, Isaiah 7. Bethlehem born, Micah 5. That he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, Zechariah 11, that he would be pierced in his hands and in his feet, Psalm 22, that he would make his grave with the rich, Isaiah 53, that he would be bodily resurrected from the dead, Psalm 16, and that he would ascend on high, Psalm 68. All the Old Testament prophets all pointed to this beautiful babe of Bethlehem, the world's only Savior, provided from heaven, Jesus. The story is told of a, another young boy who was terribly missing his dad, who was prone to have to go away on long business trips. And this one time his dad was away on business, the little boy took a framed picture of just his daddy, and he carried it around him in the house everywhere he went. His mother saw this, and she said, Son, you're missing dad, aren't you? He says, oh, yes, if he could just step out of the picture and be with me. The Old Testament was God's designed picture frame around the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And all that God revealed through his prophets to his nation were framing the beautiful person and work of the Messiah And when he came that first Christmas, he stepped out of the picture frame to be with us, to teach us, to heal us, to make a way for us to heaven, although we're sinners. 
What a Savior. And so before God in his grace gave human prophets to tell us all about this Messiah, in due time, in the fullness of time, according to Galatians, God sent himself to earth. And that was so much better, infinitely so much better than sending human spokesmen with a heavenly message. Hallmark greeting cards used to have a slogan. I don't think they still use it, but it was a good slogan. When you care enough to give the best, you send a Hallmark card. When you care enough to give the best, well, Jesus Christ was given by the Father because the Father cares enough to give sinners the best. As we begin this Christmas season for 2011, let us consider together that when God Almighty purposed to send us his best, he sent us his son, Jesus, and he sent not just another mere human prophet in a long line of useful human prophets. Instead, he sent the one and only God, man, prophet, priest, and king, the Lord Jesus Christ. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning, this is Pastor Nicholas, and we have been talking about Jesus and relationships and how there is no room for anger or hostility in a Christ-centered relationship. We've talked about how if we have anger in our hearts, we have already committed murder in our hearts against people. And today we want to talk about how do we mend these relationships? What do we do? Well, the Bible is clear to tell us exactly what we are to do. And in Matthew 18, verse 15, it says this, If your brother sins against you, go rebuke him in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. You see, we need to make sure that as we consider relationships and we consider someone has something against us, and I know this is talking to us as believers, but I think that if we apply this in a lot of different relationships, we would see a difference in what around us. And it says that if you know someone has done something to offend you, you need to go to that person privately. And you know what happens a lot of times? This is not what happens. In our society, if I know that, use a person named Bob, if Bob has something against me or done something to hurt me, a lot of times I don't just go to Bob and let's get this right, Bob. In today's world, we have the social media and WhatsApp that we just send things out and people already know that there's this problem. And so it becomes very hard to mend this whole situation because we already told the whole world about it. But this, this scripture is very clear. It tells us if your brother sins against you, go rebuke him, go talk to him in private. Don't broadcast it, but go to him in private and make things right. You see, I think that this is a problem that we have in society today that we don't talk to the person that we have a problem with. We talk to everyone else except that person. And sometimes that person doesn't even know that you're offended. That, that person doesn't know that you have a problem with them. But this passage makes it very clear. Now, am I telling you that if you go an individual and you go in private, that everything is going to be all right? No. But we would hope that. And that's why Jesus understands that. And he understood that that might not be fixed and at one time. So he continues on in verse 16. But if he won't listen, take one or two others with you. So that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. 
You see, this this passage of Scripture is making it very clear that as we consider rest, restoring in church, we need to make sure that we understand that it says if you can't get that worked out one-on-one, take one or two other people with you. Try to mend that relationship because that's what Jesus wants. Jesus doesn't want us to don't have relationship with people. He wants us to manage relationships so that we can get back into, we can reconcile and we can be back into serving God the best that we can. And also we know that where there are witnesses, there are people there who see exactly what went on. Let's be honest. We've all heard it said, there are two sides of a story or three sides. It's the person, one person's story, side of the story, the next person's side of the story, and the real story. Nobody knows, and that's why we need these different individuals. We need these people who are witnesses because they can tell exactly what happened. You know, you, you've all seen it. You all heard it where people have, you talk to people and you say, well, what's your side of the story? And they tell you something completely different than the next side of the story. Well, who's telling the truth? We don't know. But God does. And we need to rely on on him as, as we consider, you know, how do we reconcile? And as, as he's talking here, as Jesus, Jesus is talking here to a church, he makes it very clear that as we consider this, he says in verse 70, if he doesn't pay attention to them, tell the church. If he doesn't pay attention even to the church, let him be like a Gentile and tax collector to you. You see, we live in society, and, and I know that in our Bahamian society, we a lot, a lot of people go to church. And, you know, there are people who will say different things about this person locked out of church or, you know, you know, the church door should always be open. But the reality is, is this. It's that if a person doesn't want to be reconciled to other relationships and, and people don't want to get things right, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to just allow this person to continue and doing what they want and tear down this individual? No. But we are to try our best to make sure that they reconcile. And if this person doesn't want to listen, then we need to just let them, let them be what they want to be. I think that's very hard for some of us to understand and to listen to. Because in our culture, and as we think about that, we will say the church is supposed to do everything they can. And yes, the church is supposed to do everything they can to reconcile that relationship. But the reality is that we as individuals cannot change that person's heart. Only one person can change their heart, and that's God himself. And I think that as we consider that, we need to make sure that we do our best to reconcile relationships because that's what Jesus wants. Jesus doesn't want us to have anger. Jesus doesn't want us to have hostility, but Jesus wants us to have Christ-centered relationships that bring honor and glory to him. And I would challenge you this morning as you, as you consider this and that you are listening, again, to think of someone that you may have something against. And the question I would ask you is, have you done all that you can to reconcile that relationship? Have you asked their forgiveness? Have you told them that you're sorry for whatever you may have done? Or it might be the other way around where you feel that that person did something to you. Go and make things right privately. And if you've already messed this up and you, you may be listening and saying, well, you know what? Everyone already knows on social media. Everyone already knows at school that we have a problem. Well, you know what? If people saw that you guys were talking and people saw that you were trying to get things right, they would probably respect that and say, you know what? This is what it's supposed to be like to forgive someone. 
You see, you may be listening this morning and says, Pastor Nick, you don't understand what that person did to me. They hurt me so bad. They did this to me. But the reality is, is that let's consider our own lives. What have we done to God? We rejected him so many times. We've done so many things to bring down his name as a believer. But what did he do? He sent his son to die for us, to reconcile us, and to he wanted a relationship with us. And he did not tell you, well, you must do A, B, and C before I come and do this. No, he came to die for us when we wanted nothing to do with him and forgave us of our sins, past, present, and future. What a God we serve. What a God that would want that want anything to do with us. And I would challenge you again, please. Jesus does not want these relationships to remain the way that they are. Broken. But he wants us to reconcile so that we can be the best that we can for him and be the best light that shines bright for him in all that we do. Sit back, listen up for a short Christmas devotional we'd like to share with you. A blessed Christmas to you all. I have a Christmas devotional to share with you. Dr. Thomas Constable, Senior Professor of Bible Exposition at Dallas Theological Seminary has written this. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. Luke 2 verse 1. Caesar's true greatness. When it came time for Caesar Augustus to write his memoirs, he would have preserved the record of his many important accomplishments. He might have believed that his establishment of the Principate, by which Rome transitioned from a republic to an empire, was his most important accomplishment. Or, he may have regarded his defeat of Mark Anthony in the Battle of Actium as most significant. That he stabilized the borders of the far-flung Roman domain was another of his monumental accomplishments. His establishment of the equestrian class within Roman society, by which competent middle-class individuals could rise to positions of significant civil service, was also a major accomplishment. Caesar probably would not have thought that the decree he issued requiring, requiring everyone under his authority to return to his or her ancestral home and register so he could collect their taxes was one of his most significant acts. Yet, in the providence of God, it is that edict that Christians around the world remember yearly as we read the Christmas story. For most Christians, the most important thing Caesar Augustus did was issue this decree, which resulted in Jesus being born in Bethlehem of Judea in fulfillment of the messianic prophecy of Micah chapter 5 verse 2. Often the decisions we regard as relatively unimportant are the ones God uses to accomplish his will. Thus, as we seek to live in dependence on him, we need to remember that every decision we make on any given day may have far-reaching consequences. God seemingly delights to use the obscure, insignificant events of life to bring about his purposes. How imperative it is that we begin each day by rededicating ourselves to him. Romans 6 verses 12 to 13 should be considered. And now today's personal God story. Recently, we had the opportunity to sit and talk with uh, Gwen Hepburn. 
she's been sharing her personal God story and the results of infidelity in her marriage and how God has brought her from there to here. We resume from where we left off last week. I understand that you had some uh, depression and some fear that arose because of your circumstance. Could you tell us how you overcame those things? Hmm. It took a long time. It really took a long time because I had to come to the realization of who I am. Yes. And I had to deal with my mind because, um, you know, the battlefield is, is really in your mind. Exactly. The battle is in your mind. Yes. And when you dwell on this, especially if you're not getting help, mm-hmm. good Christian counseling, like with me, I slipped into depression and fear. It was so bad until one night I felt like I couldn't deal with it. Yes. Um, I just went out driving mm-hmm. because it was like I was just calling on God and saying, why me? Why me? Why, you know, why me? I, what did I do wrong again? Mm-hmm. You know, and... I really wanted to die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I went by a friend's house. Um, but through all of this, I never would allow the children, you know, to see any of this. And she wasn't home. Mm-hmm. So I just went driving around, you know, and everything. And I was about to do something really crazy, but it was like the car just turned around mm-hmm. and I found myself in church. And this was like after 11 at night. Oh, uh-huh. And I found myself in there. I, I was at the altar and I was just crying out to the Lord Yes. and telling him that I really needed help, you know, because I was so depressed because mm-hmm. again, I wasn't telling my family. My family knew nothing. Mm. And my family, uh, they're very closely knitted family. Sure. You know, and um, they sensed something was wrong, but I just wasn't saying, because I always felt like, what can they do? You know, what can they do? And then the shame, you know, you felt shame. Yes. So I was just in there crying out to the Lord. And I was telling the Lord that I really needed someone. You know, I needed someone. And then I heard this voice. And by then it was like 11.30. I heard this voice and it was one of the other pastors that was in the church. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he started talking to me and he said that he wasn't supposed to be there. It's just that he ended up being there because he wanted to finish something. Mm-hmm. So by then I, I just figured, well, you know, afterwards it was like, okay, God, you had him there for me. Yes. You know, and um, he counseled me, you know, and everything. And he made arrangements for me to get help. Yes. And what I also did with the depression, because when I say that depression made me physically sick, I was in the hospital three times in intensive care in one year. Oh, my. One was a heart attack. The other two was anxiety. Mm -hmm. Because my doctor was afraid that it would bring on another heart attack. Yeah. So the third time that I was in intensive care, I, I missed my daughter's graduation. Mm-hmm. Not a graduation, a prom. Mm-hmm. 
So I didn't get to see her in her pretty dress. Mm. And I stayed in that hospital room and I called out to God mm. and I made a promise to him that I will not continue to put my children through that. I will not be back in intensive care, mm -hmm. not with this situation. Mm. And I made a vow to him and I actually started taking off everything that they had on my chest, all the wires and everything. Uh -huh. And you know, the nurses came running yeah. and they were like, happy yeah, about that. you cannot do that, you cannot do that. But, you know, I was like, okay, I'm fine. Hmm. Okay, because I know, I knew right there and then that I was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And it's been 20 years now. Praise the Lord. 20 years that I've been off medication and everything. So I'm, you know, I'm good. Yes. But it was through the counseling. I went to the Christian Counseling Center. Yes. They helped me. My pastor here never gave up on me. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of help. That's all the time we had for today. We'll pick up from here next week in the will of the Lord. You've been listening to the Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 and 11 a.m. this morning in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. Feel free to join us at these times. You can also write us at eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior. <laughs>